It's a, a really simple theme today, and it's just thankfulness. And we've been doing a bit of that in, in worship, of course. Um, and it's actually what I've been talking about in the assemblies in the school for the last two weeks. So this is really simple things. This is, and I, I don't feel it should really be so much about theory as it is about actually practicing thankfulness today, right now. Um, but I just wanted to share a few thoughts with you that I've been thinking about thankfulness a lot recently. And um, uh, the things I've been thinking about and some of the things I spoke about with the kids were that um, I think that thankfulness is a real antidote to worry. In fact, I think they can kind of be polar opposites, really, because thankfulness is all about realizing and concentrating on what we have. And worry is all about concentrating on what we don't have or what we're not sure we have. Um, and uh, another thing, I, I heard uh, someone speak about it a while ago, and I couldn't find my notes on it, but um, I heard someone speaking about how thankfulness is a gateway to wonder, and that really struck me, um, because I do think that, like, that thankfulness is a real key to actually getting your eyes up, actually looking upwards. Um, so it mentions thankfulness a lot in the New Testament, um, and when I started looking, I, I looked at um, uh, Ephesians 5.20. And so here's the verse in a little bit more context, kind of in the paragraph it was in. Okay. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And what I was talking about in the assembly was how the Bible actually tells us we're supposed to always give thanks for everything. Um, and I quoted James 1.17 to them, uh, which says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And I was just emphasizing with them that every good and perfect thing we have is a gift from God. Um, and I was trying to get them to think about what it would actually be like to be thankful for everything. Um, and... Because there are times, as I agreed with them, that we are like joyously and genuinely uh, thankful for things, which is good. Um, but I think this verse and other verses, they definitely speak about something more than just a, a normal emotional reaction to an act that actually deserves thankfulness. Um, and I think that there is a clue to, as to how we can be thankful all of the time on this deeper level in this passage, and it's in verse 18, which says, be filled with the Spirit. And all the other things in this uh, passage, they follow on from that. They follow on from that, you know, being filled with the Spirit. They are dependent on the constant influence of the Spirit. Only the Spirit can give us the eyes to see the deepest reality, which is cause for constant thanksgiving. And um, 
And I, I love this, this passage anyway, and I love what it says about being filled with the Spirit, which will lead us to addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this week, like every other week, we've had a chance to do that in the worship, haven't we? And later we'll have a, hopefully a time of open prayer and maybe a, a bit of a chance for testimonies if that's what people uh, feel called to do. Um, and we also, during the service and after the service, we have chances to submit to one another as well. Um, and these are all just wonderful parts of the life of the church when it's empowered by the Spirit. But um, one of the main things I found when I was reading this passage was I was struck by verse 17, which says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Um, and I think I've been part of congregations in the past, which when they read verses like this, they very much focus on, like, what is God's will for you this very second? What is he telling you to do? go and do right now? Um, and I think that obviously God does have plans for us, really specific plans for our lives. But I, I was, as I was reading it this week, it really struck me that his will is, is bigger than the individual plans for our lives. What I mean is that his will is it's massive, <laughs> and it, it's fundamentally good and loving and righteous. And of course, it is amazing that his will can be broken down into all these like, intricate little plans for each person. And I kind of, you can imagine like a library full of these massive plans and maps and things like this and filing cabinets with our names on it and all this kind of stuff. But I feel we also do need to step back from that and know his will on a bigger scale because we can get a little bit lost in the details, a little bit lost in the twists and turns in our lives. But his will is constant and it is constantly good. In Ephesians 1.10 it says that the mystery of his will is to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And that's definitely something that is worth being thankful for. So before I go on, I'd like to just get a bit practical with Thanksgiving. Um, whether it's in your head or whether it's out loud, let's just have a, a couple of moments where we can be quiet and, um, and think about all the things that we can be thankful for, specific things in your lives, um, or general things about who God is and about what life really is about and about God's will, whatever. So in your head or out loud, please uh, feel free to thank him. Thank you, God, for full pockets. Um, just reminded of that. There's a game where you have to, like, see if you can get something for every letter of the alphabet in your pockets or in your person or whatever. And uh, just... Uh, just thought it was quite funny, but um, just reminded that like when we actually start counting our blessings, there are many. There are more than enough. Right, I'm um, going to carry on now, if that's all right. We'll have more chance later on for some reflection and some more prayer or testimonies or whatever happens. Um, right, so as, we were, as I was reading Ephesians 5, I was directed in my study Bible to uh, Romans 12.2. Uh, which says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And again, I was struck by this idea of God's will and that it is good 
and acceptable and perfect. And again, I, I think it bears thinking of on the like minuscule level of our own lives, but also on this big, vast level of God's everlasting will and his will for creation, which is good and acceptable and perfect. And um, in this, uh, this verse, we are shown that the renewal of the mind, um, which can only be brought about by the Spirit, because as Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. This renewal is what leads us to understand God's will, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I do believe that it's only when we recognize that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect that we can actually start to always be thankful for everything. And I really, really love looking at the Bible, um, the study Bibles, because when you're looking at a verse, it will direct you to another verse which corresponds with it. And it's just like this journey that you go on. Um, and I feel like it just opens up whole new worlds of meaning. And often, amazingly, it confirms what I was already thinking. And that's, it's always exciting when that happens. Um, because you see, this verse shows that transformation follows a renewal in our mindset, which is brought about by the Spirit, who is at work in us. And this leads us to being able to discern what is the will of God. Um, and the words used here are that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. And it just really hit me when I realized that the Greek word used here for testing means finding out the worth of something by putting it to use or testing it in actual practice. And this just jumped right out of me because I think this has really been my experience. You know, when we're little, we're taught that God is good. But I don't think you really realize that's true until you've lived, lived through some stuff, really, uh, until you see it and you feel it. Um, because there are so many things in this world that are not good, and it's really hard to reconcile the two. So when I was younger, I was a complete optimist. Like, I was always happy. I was such, always. You know, everything was great, all the way through, up till uni, I guess. Um, but as I've grown up and seen more hardship, this optimism, it, it just won't wash, it, it won't hold. Um, and it's been replaced by hope in God, which is far more concrete. As it says in Romans 5, 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It has been in the dark times in my life that God has really shined um, and I have learned the real worth of him, himself, and of his will. And I think it happens less and less now that um, events affect my view of God and his goodness. And more and more that God's goodness affects my view of events. And to me, th to me this shows that God, uh, the Spirit really has been renewing my mind. Because there's no way you could get to that conclusion on your own. But I am very, very aware that most people in this room are older than I am. And because of that, you've probably seen a lot more hardship than I have. And everyone has different walks. And I don't want to belittle anyone's walk, and I'm not gonna, I don't want to patronize anyone either. Um, 
and neither does God. Like, I love the fact that Jesus cried with Lazarus's family, even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. <laughs> so there's no lack of feeling or understanding on God's part for our pain. Um, and I want to read out this passage from Romans, which is pretty cool because earlier Josie prayed about more than conquerors, which is in this, and then someone else prayed it too. So a bit of confirmation there. Um, I'm just going to read out this passage because I think it really says, it says better than I can that our good isn't really about our circumstances as much as it is about being conformed into the image of the sun and about never being separated from the love of God. And that those are huge, huge reasons for thankfulness. So I'm just going to read that out. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of, God, of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Um, so I'd like to just open up now for a bit of, of more time of prayer quiet or out loud, whatever you want, or if anybody felt that they wanted to share something, um, you know, maybe there's something um, that Romans 8 to 28 that says all things work together for good for those who love God. If anybody's got something that they'd like to share about how God turns something for their good, uh, then that would be wonderful. But if you just want some more quiet reflection time, that's good too. I thank you, Lord, that you have shown yourself good in my life. Um, You, yeah, you just have been good in my life. Thank you for that. It's actually in the biggest catastrophes of my life that you have uh, shown yourself the most good and the most merciful. Uh, I just, I bring to mind the time when uh, I got attacked by those dogs in Romania and it seemed like a complete disaster and, and could have been so discouraging. And yet you showed me such amazing things in, in that. Like people came forward uh, to encourage me um, and 
I got a chance and my mum got a chance to share about you saving my life with so many people who didn't know you yet. One of the biggest opportunities for uh, sharing about you that I've ever had. And it's so upside down that we can be glad of the things that go wrong in our lives because you can turn them for good. And I thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Yeah, Lord, I just want to pray for Sylvia <laughs> and for all of us. Um, I pray, thank you, Lord, that Sylvia is such a precious child of yours. And thank you that you say that you don't want anything bad for her. Thank you that you are all about our good and that you love us more than, more than we love ourselves and more than we love anybody in our lives. And, yeah, I thank you for that faith, Lord. And, uh, yeah, we just stand on you today, God, and I just want to claim that verse for all of us today, that you will work all things in our lives, Lord, for good, because we love you and because you will show us, because we love you, you will show us what you are doing. You do reveal it to us in time. Amen. Um, yeah? I went shopping. What, what? Oh, right, yeah. No, I wanted to eat. I went to Tesco's the other day and there was a little girl and I recognised her because she sits in one of the front rows of the assembly and she said, I know you from the Bible. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, well, at least she's got the right book. She knows I'm from Christian. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, right. If it's okay with everyone, I've, I think we've got enough time. There's um, uh, just an excerpt from the book The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom. I don't know if you've read it. If you have, then it bears repeating. Um, if you haven't, then read it and read the rest of her books because they're unbelievable. But I just think that this really outlines that God turning everything for good. So if I just read that out and then maybe we'll just, um, we've got a song just to play and we just have a quiet time, listen to that song and then we'll be done. So here we are. I read this out to the kids one week and then I was doing the next week and I said, does anybody remember anything from last week? And they were like, fleas! <laughs> so you'll understand now when I read it out. Okay. Um... So just yeah, to give you a bit of the background, Corrie Ten Boom, she uh, lived, she was a Christian who lived in Holland when it was occupied by the Nazis. And um, her and her family were Christians and they used to take in Jewish people. And they built a false wall in their house and they used to hide people behind that. And they tried to get them papers and stuff to get out of the country. But um, unfortunately, eventually, they were caught for trying to help them and they were sent to a concentration camp. So here, this is um, Corrie and her sister Betsy arriving at their barracks. In the, in the concentration camp. With the move to permanent quarters came the second week in October. We were marched ten abreast along the wide Cinder Avenue. Several times the column halted while numbers were read out. Names were never used at Ravensbrück. At last, Betsy's and mine were called. We stepped out of line with a dozen or so others and stared at the long grey front of Barracks 28. Betsy and I followed a prisoner guide through the door at the right. 
Because of the broken windows, the vast room was in semi-twilight. Our noses told us first that the place was filthy. Somewhere, plumbing had backed up, the bedding was soiled and rancid. Then, as our eyes adjusted to the gloom, we saw that there were no individual beds at all, but great square tiers stacked three high and wedged side by side and end to end with only an occasional narrow aisle slicing through. We followed our guide single file. The aisle was not wide enough for two. Fighting back the claustrophobia of these platforms rising everywhere above us. At last, she pointed to a second tier in the centre of a large block. To reach it, we had to stand on the bottom level, haul ourselves up and then crawl across three other straw-covered platforms to reach the one that we would share with how many? The deck above us was too close to let us sit up. We lay back, struggling against the nausea that swept over us from the reeking straw. Suddenly, I sat up, striking my head on the cross slats above. Something had pinched my leg. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, the place is swarming with them. We scrambled across the intervening platforms, heads low to avoid another bump, dropped down to the aisle and hedged our way to a patch of light. Here, and here another one, I wailed. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us. Show us how. It was said so matter-of-factly, it took me a second to realize she was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer. Before we asked, as he always does, in the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. I glanced down the dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight, then drew the Bible from its pouch. It was in First Thessalonians, I said. We were on our third complete reading of the New Testament since leaving Sheveningen. In the feeble light, I turned the pages. Here it is. Comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one, none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to another, uh, to one another and to all. It seemed written expressly for Ravensbrook. Go on, said Betsy. That wasn't all. Oh, yes. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corrie. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. I stared at her, then around me at the dark, foul-aired room. Such as, I said? Such as being assigned here together? I bit my lip. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Such as what you're holding in your hands? I looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord Jesus, that there was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all these women here in this room who will meet you in these pages. Yes, said Betsy. Thank you for the very crowding here, since we're packed so close that many more will hear. She looked at me expectantly. Corrie, she prodded. Oh, all right. Thank you for the jammed, crammed, stuffed, packed, suffocating crowds. Thank you, Betsy went on serenely. For the fleas, and for the fleas, this was too much. Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between tiers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. But this time I was sure Betsy was wrong. So I'm just going to skip a bit, and then it gets to this part. Back to the barracks, we formed yet another line. 
would there never be an end to columns and weights? To receive our ladle of turnip soup in the centre room. Then as quickly as we could for the press of people, Betsy and I made our way to the rear of the dormitory where we held our worship service. Around our own platform area, there was not enough light to read the Bible. But back here, a small light bulb cast a wan yellow circle on the wall and here an ever larger group of women gathered. They were services like no others, these times in Barracks 28. At first, Betsy and I called these meetings with great timidity. But as night after night went by and no guard came, ever came near us, we grew bolder. So many now wanted to join us that we held a second service after evening roll call. There on the Lagerstrasse, we were under rigid surveillance, guards in their warm wool capes marching constantly up and down. It was the same in the centre room of the barracks, half a dozen guards or camp police always present. Yet in the large dormitory room, there was almost no supervision at all. We did not understand it. One evening, I got back to the barracks late from a wood-gathering foray outside the walls. A light snow lay on the ground, and it was hard to find the sticks and twigs with which t a small stove was kept going in each room. Betsy was waiting for me, as always, so that we could wait through the line together. Her eyes were twinkling. You're looking extraordinarily pleased with yourself, I told her. You know, we've never understood why we had so much freedom in the big room, she said. Well, I found out. That afternoon, she said, there'd been confusion in her knitting group about sock sizes, and they'd asked the supervisor to come and settle it. But she wouldn't. She wouldn't step through the door, and neither would the guards. And you know why? Betsy could not keep the triumph from her voice. Because of the fleas. That's what she said. That place is crawling with fleas. My mind rushed back to our first hour in that place. I remembered Betsy's bowed head, remembered her thanks to God for creatures I could see no use for. Yeah, so, I mean, that thankfulness just blows me away. I, I love those books, though, because Corrie is so normal, <laughs> and she's almost like, what? And Betsy just has this thankfulness. To she just completely trusts that God's plans for her are good. Uh, so now, I'd just like to play a song uh, it's got the words on it, and if we just have a time of, of reflection and thanks in that, and then we'll be done. We can go through for coffee. Good, good father, to you. 